Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Proof that the fight between good and evil is key. It's episode 305 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and you know that Lock and Key has been going strong on Netflix for almost a month now. I thought it was a good time as we start to talk about whether or not there's going to be a season two to talk about the show with a couple of the stars from the show this week. That's right, two interviews for Lock and Key. going to be talking to Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey Locke on the show, and also... Lysla D. Oliveira, who plays Dodge on the show. So we get the perspective from Good and Evil this week, which is going to be very, very cool. Interested to see what both of their perspectives are on the season of Lock and Key, which you can binge on Netflix right now. Also going to be talking about a whole bunch of other stuff as well, including the big Star Wars news of the week. But you know we always start things out with comics, and we'll do that next. It's what we're reading on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm writer Margaret Scott, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Bags and boards and laptops, oh my, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading this week. Going to be diving into the pages, since we can't dive into the series yet on Disney+. Plus. How about Falcon and Winter Soldier, number, number one from Marvel Comics? Derek Landry writing that one, Federico Vincentini on the art, Matt Miller on the colors, and then VC's Joe Caramagna on the letters. What a cover, though, by Dan Mora. And David Curiel. Just amazing stuff there. Now, if it wasn't obvious before reading this issue, it will be after that Sam and Bucky definitely have different methods. You should kind of know that already going in. You'll know it coming out of this issue for sure. They're also walking different paths. And it doesn't really take long to see how Bucky's is catching up with them. I mean, it turns out their paths will actually converge after finding out that they are both looking for the same thing, really. Now, a team of, of necessity kind of leads them both to track a lead after what they found at their last stop, which was a pretty gruesome find at that. We also get introduced, though, at that point to what we believe is a new villain. And I say believe because we don't actually have an identity on this character yet, so it's hard to know if it's someone we recognize, if it's someone that we isn't. If it's something it isn't, just, you know, looks very, very different. It seems like a new villain to me. It leads to a very one-sided throwdown, though. I can tell you that right now. It's very interesting. Now, a major organization is about to make a comeback, and now Sam and Bucky know what their next step has to be. That's the best I can really tell you without actually spoiling anything, although you might be able to connect the dots there if you really think about who I might be talking about. It's pretty obvious how well these two work together. But they also balance each other out very, very well. And that's one of the things that gives me hope about this upcoming Disney Plus series as well. Plus, this villain that they have in this comic is surprisingly formidable. And it feels like there's a big secret that will eventually drop about him. I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. But there's a connection there that I feel like we're being set up for. It's just it's a gut feeling I, I have. There's real no there's really no Easter eggs or anything to support that. I just have a gut feeling about this. 
I got to tell you, though, amazing job done by the art team here with the frantic action sequences. The, the, the fluidity of the movements could not have been easy, and they did a wonderful job of selling every last one of them. They made the action moments matter in this book. And, you know, when I read, went back and read it the second time, I was like, I didn't realize how much action there was in this book until I read it back because that's how good the dialogue is between Bucky and Sam as well. And once they finally, you know, meet up together and, and just the way that they play off of each other is brilliant. So I'm hoping that I love the show as much as I love this comic. Falcon Winter Soldier, number one. Throw that one in the poll box. Can't wait to read more of that one. Here's something I, I was very interested in ever since we were introduced to Jenica in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles world. Now Jenica has her own solo series from TMNT's Jenica number one. Brom Ravel doing the writing, the art, and the letterings on this one. Rhonda Pattinson and Jody Nishijima on the colors. Sean Lee on the letters. Pat Pattinson and Nish- Nishijima are also involved in the storytelling as well. Now, Jenica's on patrol in the mutant zone trying to keep everyone safe. Now, that's something that you, you know, you've got to be kind of up on what's going on with Ninja Turtles comics to sort of understand the setting of what's going on here. Now, a set of circumstances actually leads her to a club where she runs into a new set of villains that might look a bit familiar, but aren't. There's going to be a familiar vibe there, but it's they're not who you think they are. And that will make sense once you see it and you understand. Or if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. As if that wasn't enough, though, she runs into someone else from her past that will stir up some very old emotions for her. Remember, she has quite a memory of being human. That's something that the other turtles don't really have. They don't have that. So things are a bit different for her than they are for them. And we don't get to see any of the other turtles in this issue. That much I can tell you. This is a side of Jenica that we, that we haven't really seen a lot of up to this point, though, and it slowly gives us a bit more backstory on her as well. Her personality in general comes out in this issue, and she's still adjusting to her new life in more ways than one, and more than you might actually think going into this as well. It's, it's like, it, on the surface, it seemed like, she was dealing with it well up to this point, and there was a little bit of an acceptance there, but it's funny how things from your past can sort of change that, and we see that more so in this issue. You know, being a, her solo series, we get to kind of dive into that kind of stuff a little bit more now. The art is very fun and playful with a lot of new characters' designs and actually setting designs as well to do it. So it makes this thing really fun. It makes it really, really easy to read, and if, and if Jenica is a character you wanted to know more about and wanted to dive into a bit more, this issue will do that for you. It also deals with the fact that she's still kind of inexperienced. She's still learning the hero gig, which is something we've seen in comics before. And we get to see that it's almost like she's got bits and pieces of different Turtles characters all wrapped up into one character, which I think is super interesting. I'll let you form your opinions on that. I want to throw this one in the poll box, too, because I'm really interested to see where Jenica's journey takes us. So we've got two polls this week. We're going to go with Falcon and Winter Soldier, number one from Marvel Comics, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica, number one, as well. That's going to do for what we're reading up next. How about we do our first 
Lock and Key interview. Going to be talking to Lysla D. Oliveira about playing Dodge on Lock and Key. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is D.B. Woodside from Lucifer, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, again, we are talking about Netflix's Lock and Key, which you can binge all the episodes of Season 1 right now on Netflix. And how about we talk a little Dodge with Lysla D. Oliveira. Lysla, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. Now, Dodge might actually be the most unique character in the entire series. As you were preparing for this role, how did you want to approach playing her? I just wanted to have as much fun as possible because I do think Dodge has fun and that she has a sense of humor. I wanted to find the humor in it as well. I wanted to ground it as much as possible, but also have this sci-fi mystery element to her. And I just wanted to be as unapologetic as possible because I feel like there are very few women rules for women out there where we are completely unapologetic for our behavior. Speaking of unapologetic, I mean, obviously Dodge is the villain of the series, but do you think she feels like she's the villain or is it something else? I think she knows she's the villain. You know, the great thing about Dodge is of course, we, we don't know too much of her backstory yet, but we do know that she is an echo and she's decided to be in this human form. So she's just having fun with her physical appearance. She's having fun being bad. She's having fun not having to answer to anybody. And she knows what she wants, which are the keys. And she wants to get to this black door and she'll stop at nothing. And she has fun. She has fun manipulating people and she gets a little angry when she doesn't get her way, mm-hmm. but that's really funny, too. <laughs> so speaking of that backstory, I wanted to actually ask you about that because you're right. We don't really get to see a whole lot about her backstory or even her origin story, really. So do you kind of hope to be able to explore that if there is a season two or beyond? I would love to explore that, and I would also love to see where it's going. Like now that she has the keys and, the you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but the thing in the end has happened. Mm-hmm. What what happens now? You know, what's the next step? Is it getting more keys? Is it using the keys to do something else? I'm I'm really interested to see where it goes. I got to tell you, Lysol, the first time I heard Dodge's voice in that well, I got chills. So <laughs> how did you actually settle on that tone to kind of make it especially creepy? You know, that's something that there was a lot of back and forth for because There is, you know, Dodge is creepy, but at the end of the day, she is trying to convince Bodhi to give her this Anywhere key so she can get out of the well. Also, when we were shooting it, we were all the way down in the well, which is, they didn't actually put me in the well, it was a studio, but I was yelling out my lines so that, you know, Bodhi could hear them. And so you then start to notice that when you are when your voice isn't in a lower register, it's not as ominous. And so what was great is we actually got to go back uh, in post and record the voice and then add that. And we just decided that, you know, the deep, low voice was sultry, ominous, you know, feel was, was the way to go with Dodge. Yeah, it was really fun to do that, actually. 
Now, I know that you've said in previous interviews that some of the stuff that you did was green screen, but was there any particular scene that when you're reading it, you said to yourself, wow, we're really going to do this? (laughs) The kid in the train track. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When I read that, I just about screamed. I was like, no way. And even when I watched that the first time, I screamed again because I still couldn't believe we we did that. We actually showed that. I thought it was great. That's when you really see that Dodge is how evil she is. Because she didn't have to do that. She just did. Because she wanted to. He was annoying, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. We're talking to Liza D. Oliveira, of course, please. Dodge on Lock and Key, which you can see on Netflix right now. Now, Liza, we got to actually see Dodge use the Anywhere Key a lot this season. So I got I to gotta wonder, if you had an Anywhere Key, where would you go first? Oh, that's a great question. I Probably to Brazil to see my family. I haven't gone in a couple of years. And then I would just keep using it to travel around the world and not have to be inside of an airplane. That would be great. Here's the thing, though, because it's only stuff that, like, doors that you've seen before. So could you, like, look up a door online or something and be like, oh, yeah, I want to go Yeah, you can. Not necessarily a door that you've seen in person. It's an image of something. So it could just be a picture on a wall or or something online. Ah, the Internet. Such a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. You need the Internet close by if you're going to use the Anywhere Key, that's for sure. (laughs) Now, one of my favorite scenes this season, actually, was that big battle at Key House there in in the final episodes. What was it like shooting those? scenes and of course you know without any spoilers were you surprised by that subsequent twist and I think you know which one I'm talking about yes of course I knew that there would be a twist very early on I didn't know the specifics of the twist and then I was I was told very early on because I think our our writers were just really excited about the show and they wanted to share and so I was always very aware but I love watching people discover the twist and, you know, watching with my friends. It's it's the most fun thing. And then in terms of shooting the finale with the crown of shadows and all that, that was super exciting to do and super exciting to see because, of course, when you're doing it on the day, nothing's there. They just put a big fan in my face and I do some (laughs) funny hand motions and, and pretend that I have a whole squad of shadows. But it was great to see how it actually turned out. I would do that every time I stood in front of a fan if that happened to me. I kind of have to do that now all the time. I, I'm, 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 you know, whenever there's a fan, I was like, man, where's my crown? It just doesn't feel the same anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not the quite quite as much flash <laughs> as it was before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Liza, Dodge was able to manipulate all of the Locke family, family members in different ways pretty much, but we didn't really get to see that much with Nina. So would you like to see them cross paths more at some point? I would love that. I love Darby so, so much. I would love to have scenes with her. Maybe that's something they can cook up for season two. That would be a dream come true to get to chill with Darby on set all day because, of course, we became friends through the process, but we didn't really have any scenes together. I think the one scene I had with her, I hit her. So it would be nice to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would maybe be nice to, uh, you know, maybe have a talking scene together. I think somebody suggested maybe a love scene, and I laughed really hard at that. I was like, oh, should she seduce Nina Locke next? That would be hilarious. 
That would be that would be something. That would be something. It would certainly it would kind of make sense too, actually. Well, you know, Dodge has been through the whole family at this point, so you know why not? Yeah, that why would be, not? That would be exactly. <laughs> now, the I've always found this interesting because fan, fans either tend to dislike the villain or or not a lot on mm-hmm. one side or the other. So, were you actually surprised at all at how fans have responded to Dodge since the show's been out? I was so surprised. I mean. I was bracing myself the night before the show came out to just read really mean tweets and, you know, or Instagram posts. And I was like, okay, you have to know that it's not about you. It's about the character you're playing. And also because I'm really mean to children. I was nervous about that because I actually love children in real life. And I know people don't take kindly, especially if you're, to people who are mean to children, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was actually a little nervous. I, I, I thought I would get a lot of hate because that's what happens when you're a villain. And so when the show came out to see the amount of love that I got and how people enjoyed it. And I think that's a testament to the writing because although, you know, Dodge is doing all these things, she's, she's having fun with it and there's a little bit of humor there as well. So I think that's why people were able to look at Dodge and, and enjoy you know what she was doing versus just hate her but i honestly was i'm I'm still so overwhelmed by the amount of love that dodge has been getting liza i know this is going to be hard for you to answer but before i let you go really simple what do you hope to see from dodge if the show does return for a second season i would love to see maybe a little bit of her origin story or or background what she will be what she's thinking of doing next now that she has all the keys and also after what happened at the end there with the black door I would love to see where she's going I would love to see world domination <laughs> I would love for it to be all about Dodge I don't know cuts right to world More domination Dodge. I love it I'm okay. Dodge. <laughs> but I'm excited to see you know if we do get a season two where Dodge goes especially with the twist at the end there. Uh, I think our writers are so talented and Meredith Averill and Carlton Cuse are just amazing and a dream to work with. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds for us. Well, if you guys want a season two like we do, and I know you do, make sure you keep binge watching Lock and Key season one on Netflix. I know you've seen it. Watch it again. Watch it again. You might see something that you missed the first time. Also, keep posting about it on social media that always helps too and i i got a good feeling about this one though i think we'll see her again it's lisla d Oliveira. thank you so much for joining me this week thank you thank you whether you consider dodge evil or not she is an amazing character if you haven't seen what she can do on lock and key season one yet you yeah you better go binge that right now but we're not done talking about lock and key we'll be talking to kinsey herself amelia jones a little bit later on in the show up next though yeah there's still some nerd news some news about indiana jones and a bunch more i'm james witham and this is the down and nerdy podcast this is jason lyles from rampage the movie and you're listening to the down and nerdy podcast When a galaxy far, far away becomes a galaxy far, far in the past, it's time for nerd news. And you heard about Project Luminous at the Star Wars celebration in Chicago. Now we finally know what's going on there. It is going to be Star Wars The High Republic. And it's not a TV series. It's not a movie. 
It is a publishing initiative. By publishing, I mean novels, comics from both IDW and Marvel Comics. Viz Media is going to be involved in there. Disney Press is and Lucasfilm Press is going to be involved here as well. There's a lot going on in the High Republic. And basically, this is going to take place thousands of years before the Skywalker saga, and it's going to span multiple publishers. They're get, we're going to get new villains, new Jedi. We could get, I mean, it's more Star Wars than you could possibly imagine. It's just in print form, and it kind of, if you look at the trailer that they released, or, or the video that they released, it almost gives it more of a grassroots type of feel. In a, in a weird way. You know, it's like a, it takes you more of what's going on in the communities, what's going on on certain planets. It's got a real backyard feel to it, which is really, really interesting. It's all going to start out, actually, with a novel by Charles Soule called Star Wars The High Republic, Light of the Jedi. Now, just assume that all the titles that I'm telling you have Star Wars The High Republic, High Republic in them, so I won't have to repeat that a thousand times. So... That one's going to be coming out in August 2020. That is the one that we know about as far as when it's going to be released. The rest of them, we don't really have release dates yet. There's going to be a comic book series from Kevin Scott through Marvel. Another one from Daniel Jose Older from IDW. There's also going to be a young, some young adult stories, middle grade stuff from Disney Lucasfilm Press. One of those is going to be Star Wars The High Republic, A Test of Courage from Justina Ireland and a young adult novel from Claudia Gray called Into the Dark. Now, we again, we don't have release dates for this stuff. We get to see some interesting concept art. We get to hear about the villains, too, which is kind of like a space Vikings type of situation. And there's going to be different Jedi and, and different priorities for these Jedi, too, as well. Some of them who are just kind of charged with patrolling their certain area, almost like a Green Lantern would have a sector, this Jedi would actually, you know, just be involved with this specific space. Now, here's the thing, though. They talk about, you know, these having con- this these stories being connected across multiple platforms. And that's a good thing and also a thing that makes you go, ah, okay, so how connected is connected? Because... They it actually stopped short of doing the it's all connected thing that Marvel kind of did with the movies in their TV series, or at least I say TV series in air quotes there when it comes to connecting those universes. So, but I, let's not get into that argument. But here's my problem: there's so many entertainment options out there, right? And you're starting something new here. You're you really need your fans, whether it be new or old fans, to fall in love with not just one character, multiple characters across these novels. Now, that was easy to do with the original trilogy for Star Wars because you had plenty of people that loved Luke Skywalker but also loved Han Solo and Chewie and C-3PO and R2-D2 and Princess Leia. There were a lot of characters to love there, and then they just added on to that with characters like Lando and things like that. Now, with this, you're starting basically, not necessarily from scratch, because you've still got the Star Wars name on there, but what we're being promised is something that's not really 
familiar with the Skywalker saga or being promised something that is basically all new with an all new threat. And that's the other thing, too. You know that it kind of works out because you know where the future ends up going for these, you know, before the Skywalker saga that this is before the Skywalker saga, but you kind of know that the Skywalker saga happens. So, you know, like the universe doesn't get destroyed or anything, right? You know, the Jedi don't get destroyed either. So there is a certain amount of you you have some sort of idea of how certain things are going to turn out. Now, without reading a page of any of this stuff, you don't really know what's happening. But my point that I'm trying to make here is, is that if you're going to connect all of these things, you need to be really, really careful because not everybody's going to be able to consume everything. Like take somebody like me, for example, who has, I mean, I've got two kids at home, got a brand new baby at home, not quite brand new, but you know, new enough that this, this, you know, I want to be able to not just spend time with my children, but you know, with babies, they come with a certain responsibility and I have to take care of that. And then you've got, you know, other stuff that you have to do in your lives, you know, like eat and go out to, you know, buy groceries and things like that, just day-to-day life stuff. It's hard for you to consume multiple novels and comics at the same time. And and quite frankly, you're going to want to consume other stuff, like stuff that you're you're going to be streaming or watching on television or going to the movies. And these are, you know, hours-long commitments. And it's hard to be able to sit down and crack open a novel. Sometimes it's hard enough to keep up with single comic book runs, never mind novels and comics and other young adult type stuff as well. Now, I do love that they're trying to bring younger fans into this by working in like the Star Wars Adventures comic series into this. And you're also doing the young adult novel. So maybe you're going to get, you know, the parents and the kids talking together about what they're reading and sharing these stories together. And that's all well and good. But you got to be really, really careful here because... If, if things are too connected and you go from one medium to the next and you feel lost, then you're going to lose people no matter how much they love your characters. Because sitting down and reading something in print, whether it be digitally or hard copy, is not as easy to do as you might think it is as far as a time commitment. So if you expect people to make that sort of a time commitment especially since, you know, reading novels isn't necessarily something that people do a lot anymore, even though that's something that's really, really tough to admit. I know that, you know, that novels are still read. I'm not an idiot, but it's not as prevalent as it was. So you've got to be really, really, really careful about how connected this is. But the concept art looks really, really great. I, I love the fact that it it just feels different. It doesn't have like an empire versus rebels type of feel anymore. It seems like it's more of an immediate, regular, every every day in your backyard type of problem. And that's going to bring things, make things a little bit more personal for Star Wars. I think I'm very interested to see how the beginning of this launch goes and then where we go from here. Speaking of where do we go from here, apparently... Steven Spielberg is not going to be directing this fifth Indiana Jones movie. This according to The Hollywood Reporter. Steven Spielberg is stepping aside for this one. And look who might just be jumping into that director's chair. It's James Mangold. You know that he worked on Ford vs. Ferrari recently. But he also worked 
on Logan. Now, I'm going to get the jokes out of the way right now. How appropriate would it be if James Mangold signs on to this project after doing the Logan movie, which is Old Man Logan, with a 78-year-old Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? We're going to get Old Man Logan to Old Man Indy. Now, it would be really, really interesting if we get like a gritty version of Indiana Jones where he's kind of like fed up with everything too. You know, he's got, he's got that little bit of, you know, old man anger in him because he's always had a little bit of that anger in him anyway. And he's always had a little bit of that, a little bit of that sass. So I'm just saying that if they decide to go that route, I am perfectly okay with that. And, and if, and maybe there's a pass the torch moment, like he had with, with Daphne Keene in the Logan movie, which unfortunately we might never get to see now, which kind of sucks because I was looking forward to that and her carrying the mantle as the next Wolverine. But I digress. Again, that's something I won't really get into here. But you know that Mangold can handle movies like this where there's a changing of the guard, right? And the release date for this is July 9th of 2021. So there's plenty of time to get that new director in, get the new producer in, and, and you know figure this thing out. So I, I really, really think that this is something that could work out really, really well if they can indeed get Mangled involved. And I'm not saying that Steven Spielberg wouldn't have been able to do the job, but again, this brings something a little bit more fresh. It gives a new perspective to something that, I mean, at this point in a fifth movie, absolutely 100% needs a new perspective and we needs a reason to be excited about this freaking movie because right now it's hard after the last movie that we got and this franchise has been dormant for so so long that I don't know I still think it's going to be a tall order to to get people to really really want to see this but I think this is a good step in the right direction and showing that things might be just a little bit different this time around. Well, here's something that's not being revived so much as it's being rebooted, and that is Kung Fu. The 1970s TV series with David Carradine is being done on the CW this time around, and Deadline has just reported that they have found their star, and that is Olivia Liang, who is on Legacies, who is going to be the female lead now, of this Kung Fu series. It's actually going to come from Christina M. Kim, Martin Giro, Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, and Warner Brothers Television. Those are your you know, producers and executive producers. We don't really have a showrunner as of yet, as far as I can tell here. It looks like Christina M. Kim might end up being the showrunner here, but since there's no official announcement, I'm not going to go ahead and... And and I'm not going to go ahead and speculate on that, but it will be inspired by the by the Kung Fu series and the quarter life crisis that causes a young Chinese American woman, Nikki Chang, who is Lian's character, to drop out of college and go on a life changing journey to an isolated monastery in China. But when she returns to find her hometown overrun with crime and corruption, she uses her martial arts skills and Shaolin values to protect her community and bring criminals to justice, all while searching for the assassin who killed her Shaolin mentor and is now targeting her. That is the synopsis that was provided 
by Deadline and Warner Brothers in this press release. Now, I was just talking about how something that's been redone for forever is the Green Hornet and how it's time for a female-led Green Hornet series because of how many times this has been rebooted. Now, Kung Fu hasn't really been rebooted as many times as Green Hornet does, but this is, again, it's something different. And, again, it doesn't feel forced. This feels like a natural progression when you're rebooting something like this is to do things a little bit different. Plus, think about the original Kung Fu, whether you've ever seen it or not. And David Carradine was kind of, he's the face of that. He's one of those guys that when you hear that name, Kung Fu is the first thing you think of. It's hard to follow that. Honestly, it's really, really hard to follow that because when you hear Kung Fu, you think David Carradine. So having a female-led Kung Fu now means that you don't have a male lead that's expected to be David Carradine. This can feel fresh. This can feel different. This can feel new because you have a female lead. And, you know, having more female leads is certainly not a bad thing either, especially for martial arts, because I don't I gotta tell you, if you if you go back to like like take Iron Fist, for example, some of the best martial arts in Iron Fist was from the ladies. Let's face facts here. The women can throw down when it comes to martial arts. So that's one thing that excites me about this. There are so many talented female martial artists, not just in movies, but in general and, and in Hollywood. So I think that this is a really, really cool way to showcase that on the CW. And I'm actually interested to see where this thing goes. That's going to do it for Nerd News. Up next, going to be talking to Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey Locke on Lock and Key. That's right, double the Lock and Key on the show this week. And we'll chat with her about it next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer and artist Gabriel Rodriguez, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, if you haven't watched it already, you definitely should be watching Netflix's Lock and Key, all the episodes streaming right now. One of my favorite characters from the show definitely has to be Kinsey Locke herself. Let's also say a happy belated birthday to Amelia Jones. How are you doing this morning? Thank you. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Not that you haven't had plenty of reasons to celebrate already, Amelia. I mean, now the show's been out for a few weeks now. What's the fan response been like for Kinsey? It's been great. It's been so lovely hearing everyone say such nice things about the show. I really hope there's a season two, so it's been nice that people are asking me when it's happening. Um, so I have everything crossed so that works out. Most, I mean, me too, that's for sure. Now, when you first started diving into the show and reading the scripts and everything, was there one thing that stood out to you that made you say either, I can't wait to do this or I can't wait to see this? Yeah, so my brother's a big fan of the comic books, and when I was auditioning, he gave me them all to read. And then I became a big fan of the comic books. Yeah, and so I was also drawn to Kinsey. I think she's an awesome character, and in some ways she's kind of like two characters rolled into one, which I was really drawn to. You know, before she lost her father, Kinsey was individualistic, free-spirited, creative, confident, out there. She dyed her hair, she had her own style. She wasn't afraid to stand out. And then after her dad's murder... She has borderline anxiety, um, mild PTSD, and is racked by fear, so has altered her appearance quite dramatically in order to blend in at her new school. She's transformed from a, a fearless character to a fearful one. So in this season, she's kind of decided she's had enough and wants a bit of the old Kinsey back. So I guess I was just drawn to 
the, to the challenge that, that Kinsey is, basically. She's such a, a detailed character. And, and yeah, it's not, every, you know, it's not every day you get to play two completely different characters in one. Yeah, and that's interesting too because one thing I don't think that the sh- that gets talked about enough about the show is when it comes to Lock and Key, how the show's really portraying you know how everyone deals with tragedy in a different way. So, what was it like going through the evolution with Kinsey in this season? It was it was really fun. At the beginning, I actually talked um, to Michael Morris in depth uh, about Kinsey, and we decided that she had mild PTSD. So then I went away and researched that and try to incorporate a lot of those symptoms into my role so yeah a lot of research went into lock and key um also when kinsey takes out her fear it becomes a little bit selfish at times and things and and i um i was googling and i found that there's actually a scientific reason for why teenagers behave can behave badly um a crucial part of the brain the frontal lobes are not fully connected yeah, it's the part of the brain that, that says, is this a good idea? Like, you know, uh, what is the consequence of this action? And that's why teenagers can get themselves into trouble. So, you know, although, so Kinsey's going through this difficult phase anyway, plus she has PTSD and symptom trauma, and then she takes this entire emotion out of her head. It's kind of a recipe for disaster, as fear is such a useful emotion. Um, so I think the way Joe and Gabe use the head key to explore the teenage stage is really clever. Well, you were talking about the head key, and we saw how the keys can be used for both good and for evil. Now, instead of asking you which key you'd want to use the most, I want to know which key you would never use in a million years. The Omega key. <laughs> 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 it's the worst of people who's asked that. <laughs> I think you're dead. Um, that's such a good question, actually. I haven't been asked that. Um, yeah, the Omega key and the Ghost key, because, you know, in case the door shut or something... <laughs> Yeah, probably those two. It's, it's a no-go for me. I think that's a pretty darn good answer. Good way to go. <laughs> what about you? I got to tell you, it's the head key. I don't know if I want to get in there. <laughs> yeah, good answer too. I see the advantages to it too, but you know. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd use the head key for sure. I think it's fascinating to be able to enter someone's mind and psyche. Also super helpful. You know, when I was at school, I could have put a whole physics textbook in my head, so it would have made revising for exams a lot easier. Oh, I didn't even think about the whole physics thing. Maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. See? See? Well, you've opened my eyes now. I, I appreciate that. Maybe I'll reconsider my answer. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. We're talking to Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey Locke on Lock and Key. You can get all the episodes now on Netflix. Now, Amelia, when I think back to season one, I think about what happened with Kinsey and with Eden, and I think that was a real turning point for both of them, actually. So looking back, do you look at Eden as more of a bully or a rival for Kinsey? A bully. I think, yeah, Eden is is definitely a bully, so it was nice in the later episodes that we kind of were able to become friends and, and see past what happened, because I think Eden is really nice and good deep down. Yeah, it was nice that we kind of went on that journey together. Um, went from hating each other to actually helping each other and having each other's back. Yeah, I think that was very cool as well. Now, I, I have to say, I never expected Kinsey to end up in a love triangle in the show, and but yet, here we are. And given the way that Scott left things... Yeah, see, there you go. Now, given the way that Scott left things in Season 1, and the obvious cliffhanger that I won't spoil, of course, but just how complicated are things going to get should we have a Season 2? Well... I think I think it, I think the way season one is left, it, it's exciting uh, if the season two because yeah, I think Kinsey Kinsey will find out that 
I don't know if, I, if, if, if you're not spoiling, I don't want to spoil, but yeah, I think there are things that Kinsey needs to figure out going into season two. And then obviously next season, Tyler's 18, so maybe he'll forget the magic. So I think that would be a cool storyline to explore. And then maybe Kinsey might put the fear back in her head. I, you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, Carlton Key said that season one uh, is about these kids basically discovering that they're the keepers of the keys. And then season two is about figuring out what that responsibility means. So I would love to get a season two because I think that there are so many things that we can explore and play with. Now, Kinsey certainly had some great interactions in season one, but are there any characters that you'd like to see her interact with more in future seasons, given the opportunity? I think I think the Savini squad, because obviously half of the Savini squad uh, didn't come to the cave with us at the end. So I think I'd like to have more scenes with Doug and Zadie. Who else? Rufus. Rufus, for sure. Yeah, there you go. In the comic, yeah, in the comic, Kinsey and Rufus... Um, are very close and, and have a lot of things to do together. So I would love, plus I, I adore Kobe. <laughs> I, I think he's such a wonderful person and he's so kind um, and we get on very well. So I'd love to have, I'd love to have more scenes with him. Amelia, you mentioned a few minutes ago that your brother was a big fan of the comics. So I have to know, you, you skipped ahead then? You to try and see what happens? Yeah, I did. I, 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 the thing is, he's such a big fan that he sat me down and was like, you have to read all of these. And, and then he, he made me become a huge fan of the comics too. He uh, and then and then when I got the part, I was reading the script, and I said to my brother, oh, do you, "You know, do you want to come read them with me?" And he was like, "Oh, I know what happens." And I was like, Mm-mm, "No, you don't." <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, and he thought it was so fascinating. He was like, "Wait, what? What?" He thought it was so interesting that that you know we've changed a couple of things. But I think you know that's necessary to translate it into a different medium. I think this is one of um, our strengths, actually. You know, with events happening in different order, new keys being introduced, familiar keys being tweaked, you don't know what's going to happen next, and it manages to keep it both familiar and new. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. Now, I, I, this is a character that I definitely haven't asked you about yet, but I have to. And uh, What's the thing that creeped you out about Dodge the most, or were you maybe something more you, that intrigued you by her the most? Very good question. Um, well, I would, I've, I've always been very intrigued by Dodge. Especially in our version with, you know, Kinsey, with Gabe and Tyler, with Dodge. Like, did we kiss the same person? <laughs> right, right. That's kind of a side that's interesting in you, <laughs> not in the comics, I guess. But um, I've always been intrigued by Dodge. I, I, you know, I, I think Dodge has more to do with Bodie and things, um, and, and Tyler even. I think I interact with them the least. I would have liked to have more. Things. Eliza is amazing. She she did such a brilliant job. Um, I'm always blown away when I when I was doing scenes with her. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Amelia, before I let you go, knowing what you know now, if Key House really did exist, would you still want to live there, or even vi- or maybe not even visit there? Yeah, I'd like to live there. <laughs> I think you know. I think some people say that Key House is creepy, but I. I actually think it's beautiful. You know, creepy things definitely happen in the house, but I think I think the house itself is wonderful. Like, if you look carefully, you'll see some amazing details. The production designers did an incredible job with Key House. There are keys in the wallpaper, um, locks on the, on the tiles. Um, there's K8 engraved in the wood. It's really a work of art. So, yeah, I definitely live there. Yeah, just stay away from the mirrors and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
Well, we all want a season two, and that means you should be watching multiple times Netflix season one, excuse me, Knocking Key season one on Netflix. Keep posting about it on social media as well because, I mean, hey, we've seen that work before in getting a season two. We want to make sure we get a season two of Lock and Key. We're talking to Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You gotta love the enthusiasm, not just by Amelia Jones there, but by Lysla de Oliveira earlier about their not only their characters for Lock and Key, but the entire series. Actually, I mean, especially you know Amelia jumping into the comics and her brother being a huge fan already. It's like they feel just as much much excitement as we do about this show finally coming to light. And I think back to you know the recasting that happened and thinking the show might never get on the air when it finally did it just goes to show you everything works out for a reason it's an amazing cast it's a wonderful 10 episodes make sure you're binge watching it right now on netflix go watch lock and key and let's get a second season happening people because we need more than just a second season this one should be around for a long long time that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the folks at Netflix and Lysla D. Oliveira and Amelia Jones for joining me this week. You want more info, go to downandnerdypodcast.com. Got some lock and key content up there. Don't forget my review of the series that happened a couple of weeks ago. You can find that on the website. Follow us along on social media as well at Down and Nerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook at Down and Nerdy. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.